Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. So in the, in the last couple of years, I have uh, suffered a thing that I'm sure many of us had. I've had friends completely walk away from the faith, not... not uh, not take some time where I say, I need to figure out me and God. That's completely different. But people completely turn away and say, it's completely untrue. I can't believe I believed it. And we always get into conversation. And what I take away from the conversation almost all of the time is that there's a misunderstanding of who God is. Um, in my own life, whenever I can't hear God, when I don't feel like God is, is there, a lot of the time, it's me. Uh, there are times when God is more silent than other times, uh, but God always speaks. And a lot of the time, I'm the one who's the obstacle, right? It's how, it's how I see Jesus. It's how I see who he is. Uh, this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at that in Matthew chapter 16, uh, from verse 13 to verse 17. I'm reading from the New King James, but you can read from whatever you would like. Um, so it reads, when Jesus came to the, the region of Caesarea Philippi, uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Uh, sorry, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? This is what happens when you prepare with different versions. All right. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. The, no, sorry, I've skipped a part. Then he says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but your father, but my father who is in heaven. And before this passage, there, there, there are a bunch of different stories that, 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 that occur, and it's, it's all these stories with people believing in Jesus in different ways or for different things. Right? That's how I see it. I think with, um, we've got the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and another story of the feeding of the 4,000, and we have people who come there, and, and Jesus says later that, you know, some people just came for food, right? Maybe, maybe there are some people who are leftovers who... So who were there at the, at the feeding of the 5,000 and this time said, you know, just follow him all day. Don't go to any shops. He'll do something. Just wait and see. Uh, so I believe there's some people who are left over from that who are just kind of waiting. Probably the best uh, uh, fish ever. I was going to say fish and chips, but it's fish and bread. <laughs> the disciples who have been with him all this time see him walking on the water and it catches them by surprise, Right? They know he's the son of God, but I think it, it's a whole different story when someone is walking towards you on water. And we know the whole story. Peter says, let me come out to you if it is you. And he walks out a little bit and he looks down at the water and then he sinks. There are people who, who, touch, who, come, who come to him as he's preaching and they're just trying to reach out to him to, to, to touch his clothes and be healed. There's a, a, a Gentile lady who comes to him and says, please, please uh, heal my son and trust that Jesus did not come just for the Jews. But sprinkled among all these people are Pharisees and, and Sadducees, uh, religious uh, teachers 
who are trying to catch Jesus out the entire time. So they do not believe at all. So there's this mix of people. Some people are believing for the spectacle. Uh, I can imagine um, if there wasn't as much entertainment, there are probably some people who are saying, this guy, when he, when he shows up somewhere, crazy stuff happens. You need to see this. You need to see this spectacle. Right? And it reminds, it reminds me of, of myself at times where I want an experience from Jesus. I want something special. But you haven't, you haven't done something miraculous or cool in a very long time. Can I see something, please? Sometimes we, we, we choose where we're going because of how entertaining the speaker is or how uh, good the music is or how great the coffee is. I'm hoping you're ticking all three today. <laughs> but we come to him, sometimes we come to him for the spectacle. Like, he's, he's the big show. That's what I want to come and see. And you get people that, that come to him misled by other people because they're taken advantage of because of their desperation. Like the people who would have followed Jesus for food, there are some who are told, listen, if you go to that church, every now and then randomly someone gets 2,000 bucks in their bank account. And if you sow the seed... If you just sow the seed, yeah, you will reap a hundredfold, thousandfold. And so you get so many people who are running to Jesus because of that. That's who they see him as, the jackpot machine. And then we get uh, others in our world who, uh, like the Pharisees, will stick to rules legalistically but don't want anything to do with Christ. We have a world who, for the most part, agrees on... We have parts of morality that we disagree with, but there are some set things that we kind of all agree with, like don't steal, uh, don't kill people, don't commit fraud, all of these things. We all know that they're not right, but we have the people who have high morality, but they want nothing to do with God. And that's where we see the, the Pharisees were. And then mixed in with all these people in that time and in ours... We have people amongst them who are sincerely seeking God. And in this, as Jesus asked his disciples, they asked, who do they say that I am? And, they, and he mentions, the disciples mention prophets. They say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Right? People had their, their theories of who Jesus was. They are, and, I, and I thought to myself, in my thought process, I'm like, you know what, it could be, I could allow this because they don't have the same act access to Jesus that the disciples do. So maybe, maybe they could get away with saying, oh, he's just a prophet, right? He's just a, a miracle worker. He's just a good speaker. But there are times in the scriptures where people who did not have that proximity to Jesus realize that this is the son of God. The story that comes to mind is uh, the centurion, the Roman man whose servant was sick. Right? Uh, that's in Matthew 8, verse 5. And it says that Jesus entered Capernaum and a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. 
For I also am a man under authority, having, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, I say, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. So we have this man who has, he doesn't have direct access to Jesus like the disciples do. But he realizes, he says something that, that points to the fact that he knows this is God. He says, he says, he references the authority. He says, I have people under me and when I say do this, they do this. What he's saying is, I know Jesus that you have authority over sickness, over space. Right? You don't even need to come into my house. You can say it from right where you are. Your God who's all-powerful and your power works everywhere. He knew who Jesus was. He would answer this question the same way Peter would. You are Christ, the Son of God. But this truth, Jesus being the Son of God, is a very difficult one to swallow. It's a hard truth to live by, and God doesn't, Jesus doesn't give us any option. Right? He doesn't say, oh, you can believe some of this and you can believe that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good prophet and that's okay. Or you can believe that I was a good preacher and that's okay. He says it's all or nothing. And knowing that, our life has to be transformed. If I truly say that I believe in Jesus and I trust him, and I will follow him, my life cannot be the same. I cannot stay the same. Jesus gives no options here. The big thing, I think the big problem with Jesus being uh, Lord to us is that we want to be Lord all of the time. We live in a world where you dictate where you're going. You are the one who, you are the master of your own destiny. You get there by yourself. It's all about you. You choose. You live how you feel and do what, what is right for you. You live your truth. I hate that sentence so much. My truth. Mm. But that comes into conflict with Jesus saying, I am Lord. I am Lord of everything. And if you say you believe me, you have to give me everything. Later on in the same chapter, in verse 24, he says, If anyone desires to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus is asking, with, when he's saying this to his disciples, he's saying, Am I really Lord? Or are you holding on to something? Who do you say that I am? And it's easier in our world to continue believing that he's not Lord of everything. We stand out when we make that choice. When I'll say Jesus is ruler of this earth. This world is his and everything in it. 
this makes sense. If Jesus is our king, and like if, 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 if you are back in those days, and even in some of our nations today, when someone, when a new king comes and takes over, the laws change. Right? You live by the new king's customs, not the old one. You don't get a new king and then decide to continue living as you did. The Jewish people at this time are under Roman rule, right? They can't do some of the things like when, when, when Jesus was on trial, they had to take him to Pilate to, 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 for him to pronounce judgment. They couldn't just kill him on their own. They would have been able to had it been their own laws and their own rules. If Jesus is king, everything must change. Who do we say that he is? Jesus says this in John 14, verse 6, and we all know this verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No other option. And Jesus, as he was asking his disciples this question, I think this was a very personal and very directed question at them. When he says, who do you say that I am? No longer safety in numbers, no longer just going along with what everyone says. That's the status quo, so we just go along with it. He says, you, who do you say that I am? And our faith is very personal. Right? One day when we, when we stand before God, if we didn't believe, we can't say, well, everyone said you were just a prophet, so cut me some slack. Right? Jesus will judge us each. It says every one of us will have to give account for every word and for what we believe. Jesus made this distinction. And when Peter answers, he says that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, the anointed one, the one who has, who has been given the spirit to go out, the anointed one, not some anointed one, not a, not a preacher, not a priest, not a prophet, the anointed one. And Peter lived by this truth, and the, the disciples lived by this truth. I think even, even Judas killed himself because he knew. He knew when he had betrayed Jesus, he knew what he had done, how heavy it was that he had betrayed Christ. There are also those who believe that this knowledge, because it says here that blessed are you, uh, Simon, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. There are some who believe that God only shows some people and that doesn't give a chance to everyone else to come to him. But God reveals it to anyone who will seek him. In Jeremiah, there's a, there's a promise that God gives to, to the Israelites as Jeremiah is pronouncing judgment as Babylon is about to come and take Israel for all their disobedience, he does tell them that there is going to be a time where I bring you back to myself. But this promise echoes beyond the Old Testament and the Israelites. In Jeremiah 24, verse 7, he says, Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. For they shall return to me with their whole heart. And this promise is not just for the Israelites. It's for everyone that would put faith in him, anyone who would seek him. In 29 verse 13, it says, and you will seek me 
and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's all God wants from us. That if we truly are seeking him with all of our heart, God reveals himself to us. He will show us and he'll speak to our hearts and let us know that he is God. And as we continue to obey him and follow him, he continues to reinforce this. I know a lot of people who have also said, you know, I tried, I tried Jesus, but it didn't work. How many of us have heard that? And I look at my own life whenever, because I, I always try to, to think, okay, I try to put myself in that person's shoe and I think, okay, when I am not feeling Jesus, what is the problem? Most of the time, I'm not obeying him. There's sin that I'm holding onto. Um, or I'm obeying him in some things. I'm doing all the things that he's told me not to do. But some of the things that he's asked me to do, I'm not doing. In Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and, and the perfect will of God. If I am not allowing this to happen, how do I expect to experience this joy? Right. Uh, at, uh, at Karate, every year at the end of the year, we do this exercise where we all stand together. This is the very last class after we've already trained really, really, really hard. We're in pain. We stand in a circle, in a big circle, and each person will count to 30. And with each count, you have to do kicks but you have to do kicks for the entire circle. So if there are 30 people, then it's 30 times 30, right? It's the worst. It's so bad. And you start off kicking here, and then it comes here, and then it comes here, and at some point, you're just kicking dust off of the floor. But you are so tired. But at the end of that, you have this time where we share food with one another, we just talk about where we're going to go for the holiday, and that time is always sweeter if you really push during those kicks. That if I participate, I enjoy, there's a joy that comes from that. If we participate with God, we'll experience the fullness of life that he promises. He says, I have come that you may have abundant life, and we often cheat ourselves because we don't stick to the plan. Right? So when I was in, 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 when we were in Joburg with Brian, my roommate, Jesus, worked out every day at 4 a.m. And I was really struggling because his workouts were these interval uh, slots of, uh, for half an hour, 50 seconds of workout, 10 seconds of rest. Right? Death every time. Right? And we are going to go and meet again in February. And he says, you know what, I'm giving you until Feb. Right? You need to be fit. You need to challenge me. Right? So he's very health conscious. He had uh, supplements with him. He had vitamins with him. He had everything. Right? And so he said, look, if you, change, if you just change how you eat and you work out regularly, you'll be fit. Right? And then he said, you have to be fit 
by February. So that's, that's my mantra now, fit by February, right? But if I choose not to eat right, which I have not chosen <laughs> yet, <laughs> and if I choose to work out consistently, which is coming, it's loading, <laughs> then I'll experience the joy of fitness. At the end of every workout, he'd be pumped and happy. I'll be lying on the ground. If I go along with God, if I obey everything that he asks me to obey, then I'll experience him as he says I should. If I obey him, I'll experience him as the one who provides when I'm in need. If I obey him, I'll experience him to be the one who gives me courage when I'm afraid. If I obey him in, in, in everything, I, I will see him as the one who goes before me, as he, as he leads me to do what he's called me to do. We, we often think that we need to do this perfectly. In this same chapter where Peter says uh, that you are the son of God, Jesus then starts explaining, okay, let me tell you what part of being the son of God means. I must suffer and die. And Peter takes him aside and he said, don't, don't say that. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So Peter doesn't get it right. He doesn't do it perfectly. But he's trying. And that's what I love about, about Peter. Peter has the courage and confidence to try in the wildest things. I think a lot of the times Jesus was saying, you're taking a bit too far. Calm down a bit. But he was so zealous. He just wanted to go for it. And Peter got to understand the sweetness of who Christ is. And even when he messed up right at the end, and Jesus, after coming back to life, meets him on the beach, and they're cooking fish there, and he says, ask him three times, do you love me? And he says, feed my sheep. I know you messed up, you denied me, but you've always been the one to try. And I'm giving you another chance. And the very next time we see Peter talking, he shares this incredible sermon in front of thousands of people. The one who was too scared to admit him in front of a bunch, a bunch of people around a fire preaches to thousands. He knew who Christ was. That that truth, you are the Christ, the Son of God, that rang true to him because he decided, I'm going to obey him. I'm going to take him at his word. I'm going to trust him to be who he says he is. So whenever we are feeling like, you know, God, you're not, you're not doing what you said you'd do. I'm not feeling like I'm close to you. We need to take a look inside and say, are we following the way he's asked me to? Am I obeying? And for, for different people, it means different things. If you don't know who Jesus is today, today is a chance for that. That Jesus died on the cross that you may have life and life eternal. That he looks at our sin and he, he took that punishment. And he's saying, I am your savior. And if you believe in me, I will give you eternal life. Will you believe him for who he says he is? If you're a believer this morning, you need to ask yourself this, and I need to ask myself this too. Am I trusting you enough 
to obey you in the things that are difficult? Do I trust that you are good enough for me to set aside the sin that I enjoy to follow you? Do I trust that you will satisfy more? A lot of times we need to ask ourselves, am I trusting Jesus with this? And he's not asking us to do it perfectly. Whenever I find something in in the scriptures that I don't agree with, that God says I must do, we have a process now. I read it and I go, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make me feel good. I don't like it. But you are God, so I will do it. But I won't like it. So that's that's the kicking and screaming phase. And after a while, I go like, okay, this still is not nice, but it makes sense. I see what you're trying to do here. And then after a while, God makes me actually love his commandment. And God, thank you for this. Thank you for this. I was foolish, but through obeying you, you have transformed my heart. And he shifts and changes me so that I see him for who he is. That he's faithful and true. So I don't know where everyone is today, um, but let's, let's spend some time in prayer and say to Jesus, where am I doubting you? Where, I'm not, where am I not seeing you for who you are? Where am I not trusting you? Let's pray. This is Rico Vecca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.